listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Come on, say with me, shut the door. Come on, say with me, shut the door. Put your hand on your heart. Let me pray for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the honor and the privilege that we have. And God, we pray that you would help us to prepare the soil of our lives. God, to be receptive to what you want to say to us. Because God, you've got a message for us that we need to hear today. And we ask that you would help us and give us the strength that we need. In Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. Look at the scripture straight off the bat. Genesis 4 verse 7. It says this. If you do well, will you not be accepted? There's a question at the end there. Why? Because there's an address to a situation that's just taken place. This is the address or the answer or the word that God has given. And we're going to discover what that is in a few moments. But there's something in this verse I want us to begin by seeing today. It says, sin lies at the door. Where is sin? Sin is at your door. It's not just at the door. It's at your door. Sin is at your life. And notice the desire or the purpose or the intent of that sin. Sin's desire is for you. That sin is to have you to control your life. But notice God says this, but I've placed something inside of you That sin doesn't have to rule you any longer, but God says you can rule over the sin. The temptations, the struggles, the adversities that we face in our life each and every day, God says, I don't want you to fall. You see, temptation's not the sin. We're all tempted. The sin is when we yield to that temptation, when we give in to that temptation, when we become that temptation. Sin is at the door. God says its desire is to control you, but God says I have given something and placed something inside of you that you can rule over. New Living Translation says it this way, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what's right, say with me, shut the door. If you refuse to shut the door, then it says, then watch out. Watch out. Why? Because sin is crouching at your door. I like that. It's crouching. The New King James said it's laying. It's crouching like a, like a lion, like a bear or, or a cat. How they crouch. Why? Because they're ready to pounce. They're ready just for that slightest little bit where they can just jump. That's what sin is. It's poised outside of your life, outside of your mind. Outside of your social media, outside of your life, it's poised, ready to jump at your door. What? Eager to control you, but you, the Bible says, must subdue it and you must be its master. 
picture this. Sin is at each and every one of our door. And its desire is to have you. Its desire is to control you. Sin wants to control your life. It's a controlling factor. It wants to control your life. It wants to control your future. We don't like to think of the things that we do as controlling. We don't even like to label maybe many of those things as sin because we like to do those things. But they are a controlling factor of your life. How do we know this? Because God says so, and if it's in His Word, it's true. No matter what I think or what my opinion is, if God's Word says that those things are sin, it's sin. And it's really sad in our lives that we'll turn on the news and we'll believe everything that they say on the news, but yet we read God's Word and we question and we doubt it. It's amazing, isn't it, that we can uh, turn on social media and we can see all these posts and everything that people... Oh, and we can just believe that. We don't question that. But when it comes to God's Word... I've had to talk to my kids many times through the years. Hopefully they're getting it now. But everything that kids say at school is not truth. Well, where did you hear that? Well, all the kids at school are saying it. It doesn't matter if all the kids are saying it. It doesn't make it truth. But it's amazing how we believe everything else. But then when it comes to the truth of God's word, we say, ah, no, that's not really right. We excuse it. We question it. We doubt it. Um, Unfortunately, many times reject it. I'm telling you right now, the truth is this. Are you ready? And you need to know the truth because truth equals freedom in your life. The truth is this. Satan wants to control your life. Satan wants to destroy your life. He doesn't want to just control you. That's his instep so he can then take over your life to control you because the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Nothing good. Nothing good. But the truth is this. I've come that you may have life. Jesus said you can shut the door on the enemy so you can live in the life and in the fullness that I have for you. You see, there's only two controls over your life. It's either God or Satan. We like to think that we're the third option. Well, I'm in control of my notes. No, if you're taking control of your life, then you're on the dark side. You're working for Satan. You're falling great into his hands. Because either God is in control or He's not. But I'm glad today, not only is sin outside of the door, I'm glad that someone else is outside the door of my life. Revelations 3.20, God says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and we'll have a party. That's what God's saying. We're going to rock the house. We're going to have a great time because that's what God does. He doesn't come with gloom, doom and despair. He doesn't come to cut us down. He doesn't come to condemn us. He comes to release us. He comes to free us. He comes to have a party with us, to give release into our life, into each and every one of us. And we've got to remember today, God is knocking, sin is crouching. Who are we opening the door to? Because I'm telling you, we've got to shut the door to Satan. Oh, well, I just don't want to offend their feelings. That's what Elizabeth said in one of her points on Friday night. It's hard for me to say no, because what if I offend other people? Yet she was wrecking her life just to please other people. Oh, what if I hurt their feelings? Oh, they've been good to me. Listen, the devil ain't no friend of yours. 
He's never been and he never will. He talks a good talk, but look behind it. Kill, steal and destroy. That's all he has. You've got to shut the door on the devil. So what? You can open the door to God because God has an open door for your life. And we've got to know the truth. Listen to this scripture from Ephesians 4. 26 through 28, reading from the New Living Translation, it says this, and don't let sin, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold. Have you ever tried to shut the door and someone has their foot in the door? doesn't matter how strong you are. You, you can't break free from that. What are we doing? The Bible says that we've got to watch for anger. We may think that anger is just an emotion. It's just a feeling. It's something that's not really wrong in our life. But I believe God is using this passage to identify the emotions, the things of our life that we can leave unchecked in our lives by showing us that those things are a foothold in the door of our lives that allows the enemy to come in to steal from us and to take from us. It's more than just anger. It's a foothold. It's an opportunity. It's a crack. It's an inch. It's a space where Satan will wriggle himself through. Listen to me. It's an entry point. I wonder how many entry points that we're allowing and permitting for Satan to have access in our life. Because he's going to come in and steal from you what is your God-given right to have. He's going to take your peace. He's going to take your joy. He's going to take your kids. He's going to take all these things. And we're the ones. Listen, we get so mad at the devil, but we're the ones that open the door and let him in. Let's just be real today. We're the ones that open the door. Because how do we know this? The Bible says when God is standing at the door of our heart, notice what God says, we've got to open it. Why? Because the handle's on the inside, not on the outside. So if the handle is on the inside for God, it's still on the inside for Satan too. So we're the ones that's got control. Come on, say with me right now, I control my door. So what are you allowing in? Think about this, okay? Just break it down. If I told you right now at 2 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, a thief was going to come to your house. You wouldn't be at work, would you? Some of you would probably be sitting in your recliner with your 12-gauge right at that door saying, come on, come on, baby. You would have the police. You would have every alarm on. You would, have, you would do everything in your power to make sure for what? You ain't going to steal my flat screen TV. You ain't going to take my PlayStation. You're not going to take my silver jewelry and my gold. You're not going to take my stuff. It's amazing. We would put every precaution in place for things that we can replace and things at the end of the day are just stuff and are not really important. But yet the enemy comes in on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The devil comes each and every day and we open the door and say, devil, take my kids, take my husband, take my health, take my peace, take my joy. Come on, you've got to shut the door. You've got to shut the door. The same effort that you put in into the natural, you've got to start putting in in the spiritual and realize this. I can't claim peace back on my insurance policy. I can't claim health back on my insurance policy. I can't get my kids back on my insurance policy. But one thing I can do is I can have them on my assurance policy because blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And Jesus can help me 
and bless my life. 2 Corinthians 2.11 from the Message Bible says this, After all, we do not want you to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief, because we're not oblivious to his sly ways. Let's not give him an opening for yet more mischief. Let's not allow him And actually, with the scripture, can I say this? We talked about the first one from Ephesians. That had to do with anger. Actually, this passage right here in 2 Corinthians is talking about unforgiveness. Again, how they are entry points that unchecked, that we can allow the enemy. We can give an opening for Satan in our lives. What are the things of your life that are creating an open door through which Satan wants to invade and conquer your life? Many of those things start off really cute. Anyone ever had a puppy? They grow up, don't they? They're cute, but they grow. There's a lot of things in our life that are kind of cute. We can look at situations with our kids when they kind of act up. It's cute when they're two. It's not cute when they're 22. But it's so easy to excuse things. Oh, because it's cute, it's small, it's insignificant. You've got to watch because that's how Satan works. He works with those things that are so easily unchecked in our lives because, oh, it's cute, it's excusable, I'm in control, I've got it. Oh, I'm only doing it once a week. It's no big deal. It's not an issue. It's not hurting anyone else. It's destroying you. I said it's destroying you. Because those things grow. Look at the Bible says about sin. James 1.15. It says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, wants to what? Kill you. Wants to destroy you. Wants to bring death. You can't play with fire, in other words, without being burned. So we've got to look at even those cute, excusable, small things of our life and realize just even the smallest crack is an entry place that Satan can come in and take control of our lives because he goes through the smallest openings. Come on, say with me, shut the door. We're going to look at those doors. Can we, can we look at those doors today? Because I'm telling you right now, here's the hope that we have. The hope that we have is there's only three doors that Satan comes in in every one of our lives. We can say, well, it's this, this, this. No, there's three ways. Every sin... Every temptation, everything that we would want to do in our lives has an entryway through one of these three doors. And the Bible tells us here, 1 John 2, 15, 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world, because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible's not saying there don't love stuff or don't want stuff. But what it's saying is don't allow your stuff to have you. Your priority is always God. The first, the Ten Commandments, God said this, you're not to have any other gods before me. He didn't say that you can have things after me. But they cannot take the place of God in your life. And that's what it's saying there. It says, look at it, it says in verse 16, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three doors. Three doors. And they are not of the Father, but of the world. And then it tells us why we don't want to be of the world, because the world is going to die. It's passing away. And all the lust, all the filth, everything of this world is going to pass 
away. But he who what? Shuts the door. He who does the will of God. In other words, he who follows God. He who does God's will, not by his way, but trust in God's way of his life, will abide forever. Why the world is passing away, but the promise is we're going to abide with God forever in heaven. Because he's coming back for his children. There's going to be a rapture and we're going to go up to heaven with him. Amen? So we're going to abide with him forever. So every sin has to come through one of these three doors. Maybe in your life you've got all three doors open. And here's the doors. Number one, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh has to do with our passions and our appetites. It has to deal with what you want. Really, the lust of the flesh is your feelings. We've got to watch our feelings because our feelings will lie to us in a heartbeat. We, we, we can, if we're controlled by our feelings, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster because feelings change so quickly and we can convince ourselves they're the right feeling, but they're not the right feeling. They're many times the wrong feelings because they're going to lie to you because they want to take you. Your feelings have brought about many problems in your life when they've allowed or been allowed to drive your life. Can we just admit that today? Our feelings aren't always right. In fact, Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right. Come on, say with me, feels right. What's the world say? If it feels right, baby, just do it. The Bible says there is a way that feels, seems, appears to be right to who? To me. Because I'd be a fool to do something if I really knew it was wrong. So the enemy wants to convince me through the lust of the flesh, through my passions and my appetites, well, that's something I want, that's something I need, it's something that's going to make me feel better. Notice me, 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 my feelings, my appetites, my desires. The devil's not going to tempt you with things that aren't going to tempt you. The devil ain't going to tempt you with green beans if you don't like them. You know what I'm talking about? There's weaknesses and areas in our life. And a chain's only as strong as its weakest link. And you better identify the weak areas of your life and guide them. Because as long as your feelings are allowed to be controlled, Satan is going to come at that weak area each and every time of your life. The Bible says there is a way that seems right, but the end is not where you want to be. It's death. It's damnation. It's destruction. We've got to shut the door on that. Oh, but pastor, it feels good. Of course it feels good. If it didn't feel good, you wouldn't do it. If it didn't feel good, you wouldn't want to be a part of it. And that's how Satan opens the door. He gives you the things and baits you with the things that you like, that you desire, that you have a passion for and an appetite for because he wants to reel you in. And one of the biggest areas that he uses in this is sexual. Lures you in. Gets a foothold in your life. Here's the second door, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes can be really identified really as your possessions, what you have or really what you want. What do we find ourselves living in today? An instant society, a society that says I want it and I want it now. A society that says it's mine, that takes ownership over things. A society that is governed by greed. 
We get caught up in the rat race. We need it. Why? Because everyone else has it. Have you ever seen those infomercials on TV? That's a picture of what the world wants to do to your life. You want to buy something you didn't even know you needed before you turned on that channel. Well, I've got to have that. Why? Because they say, I didn't even have a need. I didn't wake up in the morning and say, I need a new can opener. But I've watched something on TV and I can't go to bed tonight without that can opener because my life is going to be so affected and changed. That can opener is so good. It will walk the dog. It will clean my laundry. It will do. Come on, they're telling me all these things. Because now I need it. Because the lust of the eyes is placing things before us that says, I cannot live without that. I've got to have it. I've got to grab a hold of it. And many times we say, if I can just have those things, I'll be happy. The problem is, God doesn't want us to be happy. God wants us to be holy. Because happy is happenings. Happy is based on circumstances and situations where holy is based on who you are in the situations. Listen to me. Holiness is the whole of Christ in the whole of your life. You want to know what holiness is? It's the whole of Christ in the whole of your life. Giving everything to God. And here's the third door. You ready? The pride of life. The pride of life. The pride of life is our position. Well, do you know who I am? We want to be in a position. I was talking to someone the other day, and and the first question they asked was, well, if I get that again, can I be... And I thought to myself, wow, that just really shows the intent of someone's heart. To them, it was all about, can I, instead of just saying, yes, what do you need me to serve? What capacity? It was all about the position more than the service. And pride wants to elevate our position. It makes us positioned not right. First Peter 5, 5, we see this and we've got to realize this. The last part of that verse, it says God resists the proud. If we've got pride in our life and we're jockeying for position and pushing others down to get to that place, that's a doorway that Satan says, or that Satan comes into that what? Causes a resistance of God against our lives because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And the next verse, it goes on to say this. It says, therefore, humble yourself in the sight of God that he may what? That he may exalt you. He may. We're all tempted to feel. We're all tempted to have. And we're all tempted to be. In fact, do you know this is nothing new from the beginning of time? Look at it in the garden, Genesis 3, verse 6. When the Satan first entered the world, he presents in Genesis 3 the three doors that we just talked about in 1 John. So from the beginning of the Bible, we also read the end of the Bible. Look what it says in Genesis 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it's the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, That's the lust of the eyes. And it was a tree desirable to make one wise. Satan said, you'll be like God. That's the pride of life. She took its fruit. She ate it. And what else did she do? She gave it. Isn't it amazing? She takes, she eats, and now she passes it on. We've got to shut these doors because if we don't shut these doors to our life, 
We're going to eat it, we're going to share it, and we're going to pass it on to our kids. Because what walks in the Father is going to run in the children. So if we're allowing cracks in our lives, it's going to be a bigger opening for our children's lives. Come on, listen to me right now. You may say, well, I don't have kids. Well, get it right now before you have kids. You've got to shut the door to the enemy. It's not only in Genesis, was it? We see it in the middle of the Bible. So we have it at the beginning. We have it at the end. We have it in the middle with Jesus himself. Because the Bible says that Jesus was led into a wilderness to be tempted. I haven't got time to go through it. But look at this. Here's the three temptations that Jesus faced. Are you ready? Number one, Satan said, if you are who you say, then turn these stones into bread. Come on, that was passion. He was talking about passion. Feed your appetite. Feed your desire. Then he took him onto an exceedingly, or he took him onto the top of the temple. And he said, if you really are who you say you are, throw yourself down. Because didn't your father say that he'll give his angels charge? Even use the word of God against him. But what doorway was that position? If you are who you say you are. But remember, Jesus didn't come to be that person. Jesus came to be that lonely servant to meet the needs. And if he would have said, hold on a second or throne, it would have defeated his purpose here on this earth. Satan was trying to come through the same door. He wants to attack you and I's life because in the same way he could have disrupted the plan and the purpose of God, he wants to Disrupt the plan and the purpose for your life. And then the devil takes him on a high mountain and says, See all these things? If you'll just bow down and worship me, I will give you all of that. That's the possessions. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. Pride of life. It's amazing. Every sin. Sit down and think about it. Every sin can go through one of those doors and has to. That's the entry points to your life. So quickly, can we look at the antidotes? Can we look at the remedies? Can we look at what can close those three doors of our life? If we're going to close the door of our passions, if we're going to close the lust of the flesh in our lives, here's what we need to be in our lives. Here's the antidote for our lives. Are you ready? Integrity. We need to have integrity in our life. Most would define integrity as a good person, an honest person, which is true. But integrity is actually a whole lot more than that. Because the first word, especially in the original language, if you were to break it down, the first part of that word is integer. That word integer is actually a mathematical term. It means the unit of one. So what integrity really is in your life is oneness or wholeness that God wants to bring to your life. It means God wants to make you a whole person. So it doesn't mean you live a separate life anymore. So you're one way tailgating with your friends and you're another way at church. Come on, I'm preaching good today. Doesn't mean that you're acting this way on Monday through Saturday, but now you're acting this way on Sunday. No, integrity says you're the same person wherever you're at because that's who you are. You aren't moved by the circumstances and situations, but you allow God to rule in those situations and circumstances. And it's amazing how many of us get that wrong. We don't have integrity in our lives. Now, please understand this. Look at this. A whole person is not a perfect person, but an honest person. Not perfect. None of us are perfect. 
but we're honest. Honesty has so much to do with integrity because living that way lives a transparent life. It gets other people around. I just really believe this, and you can shout me down and you can ridicule me all you want, but I'm telling you right now, the weaknesses and the entrance ways of your life, someone in your life that knows you needs to know what they are. So they can challenge you, so they can talk to you, so they can hold you accountable in that area. But one thing I've understood about accountability is this. Accountability won't work if you're not totally transparent. You need to have someone that will get on the phone with you or, or when you go out for a meal with them that they'll look at you square in the eye and they'll say, listen, have you been looking at pornography this week? Have you been gossiping this week? Have you been stealing this week? Have you been lying this week? You've got to have the proper connections around you because you need to have the proper input coming into your life because Satan's going to use anything and everything to destroy the integrity and the honesty of your life that then becomes what? The passions of your life which becomes an open door instead of a slammed shut door. Now don't get me wrong, someone else is not your salvation. Only one God can do that. Only one God. But God did say these words, it's not good for man to live alone and walk alone. He's given you other people. I'm the man I am today because of the people I surround myself with. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I want people to slap me up the side of the head when I'm doing wrong. And all my lead team in the church, they know this. I'm not surrounding myself with yes people. I stand to be corrected at any time. In fact, one of our lead teams sent me an email this week addressing something that I had talked about and just said, Pastor, I just want you to be aware. I received that. Why? Because I'm surrounding myself with the right people because I maybe don't see everything in the right way. But I need some other people to help me and to stand with me. Remember we talked about the biggest area here many times can be sexual. And look what it says in Proverbs 5, 7 through 10. It's amazing. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, but yet he died a fool. Hello? The wisest man that ever lived, but yet he died a fool. Because he opened doors to allow other worship and other things. You can have all the wisdom you want, but if you're not living with integrity and wholeness and honesty in your life, it's nothing. Look what Solomon, it's almost like he's having a a meeting with his kids. He's gathering those around, and he says, Hear my children. Listen to me, son. Listen to me, daughter. Listen to me right now. He says, hear my children. He said, and don't depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. He's talking about the adulterer. And don't go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens, and he's not talking about green men from Mars. He's talking about strangers lest strangers be filled with your wealth and your laborers go to the house of a foreigner. Notice what his warning is. Don't go near her. One translation says, don't go near her door. Don't go near that door. Watch because what you may think starts cute and small. Remember, it's going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to grow. Don't go near that door. Literally, don't open that door.
Because if you go near or open that door, good things are not going to happen in your life. There's so many opportunities today sexually for people to open a door. So many ways that we can do it because no one knows it's hidden. I'm telling you, no one else may know, but the most important one does. And the Bible says, don't fear man when you need to fear the man, God who can condemn your soul to hell. Now, that doesn't mean he's looking for a, a, an excuse or an opportunity. God doesn't want any to perish. But just as much as he's gracious and merciful, he's also just. And he has to deal with those sins in areas of our life. Listen to this passage from the Message Bible, Romans 6, 12 through 14. It says these words. That means that you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't even give it the time of day. Look at this. Don't even run little errands that are connected to your old way of life. I love that. Don't even run little errands. Don't even, oh, it's just, it's just a little, oh, uh, I'm going to repent straight afterwards so it's going to be okay. Don't even run little errands, but throw yourself wholeheartedly, whole, that's that word again, integrity, honesty. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time and remember this, that you have been raised from the dead. In other words, God is saying you've been freed from that thing. You've been delivered and set free from that thing. Come on, you've been raised from the death and the obstruction and the damnation that thing wants to take you into, into God's way of doing things. Sin can no longer tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer, but you're living now under the freedom of God. I want to make a statement today and I want you to hear this really good. Are you ready? Why pick up? what you laid down at the cross. Why pick back up what you laid down at the cross? I see so many people who were delivered. Uh, Can I just say something right now? I didn't have this planned, but I just really feel I need to share this today. There's a big debate about alcohol. It's a big debate that the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt really not talks about that you shouldn't be in excess. and all. Okay, I understand all these. But can I just say something right now? I have never come in contact with someone who had a problem to alcohol that God did not say to them, I'm not going to deliver you from it, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to enable you to handle it. What I see is this, God delivers people, and when he delivers people, he takes the desire completely from them. Elizabeth talked about it today. God didn't say, well, you know, you are overdoing that a little bit, but man, a couple of joints a week, maybe we can get by with that. It's better than what you were doing. God delivered her. God is in the delivering business. When we get saved, God delivers us. You know what happens in our lives? We pick those things back up again and we take them into our lives. We open the doors again. What God delivered at the cross. Come on, we are set free. We are delivered. We are free in Christ. And we've got to say yes to God and no to Satan. Even right now, some of you need to be saying no to Satan and yes to God. And slamming the door. The grass is always greener on the other side. But can I remind you, the grass is always greener around the outhouse. 
If you didn't get that one, the grass is always green around the septic tank. And the greener the grass, the more maintenance it's going to take, the more water it's going to take, and the higher the bill it's going to cost you. If your grass or if the grass is greener somewhere else, water your own lawn. Stop looking for other things. Shut the door and allow God to change your life. Come on, you've got to ch- close the door to wrong passions and appetites. Why? Because God wants you to live whole and with integrity. Anyone with me today? Is this good? Number two, I've got to move on. Number two, generosity. Generosity. Generosity is what closes the door on greed, what closes the door on possessions. It's a great antidote. Man's way is always, I want to take, 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 take. God's way is always, I want to give, 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 give. God says, give, and it will be given to you. Not take, and it will be given. Give. The the position of blessing comes through a stance of giving, giving, giving. Let's go back to our original scripture, Genesis 4, if we could. It says, talking about giving, it's talking about an offering. Genesis 4, 3 says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice this, in the process of time, or over a period of time, he brought. It was, there was no urgency, he just brought it when he felt like it. Okay, note that please. Verse 4, Abel also brought, but he brought of the firstborn of his flock, of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. What did he bring? He brought the firstborn. He did didn't wait. He gave that which was first given to him. He gave his first fruits or he gave his tithe to the Lord. But he, verse 5, God did not respect Cain and his offering. Well, when I feel like it, what I want to give, God says, I don't respect that. I won't accept that. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Here's the thought. Why are you upset? You opened the door. Come on now. You opened the door. You're upset about something. It's all on you. You opened the door. And it goes on to say, and why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7. If you do well, will you not also be accepted? Will you not make it right, God says, and what you've given then will be accepted. But if you do not do well, guess what? Sin is lying at the door and it's desirous for you, but you shall have rule over it. What do we see in this story? Can I tell you what we see? He doesn't shut the door. He gets angry and mad and he ultimately goes out and murders and kills his brother. What a sad day. Faithful giving is such a powerful antidote in our lives to counteract greed and lust in our eyes. I'm telling you right now, you're ready? Tithing shuts the door of greed. Tithing will shut the door of possessions. Tithing will shut the door on the lust of your eyes. And tithing's a test. Don't get me wrong. It's an act of faith. Tithing literally means a tenth. Give the first tenth of what you have. That's tough when you don't maybe know how much is going to be left after all the bills. And that's why God says, would you trust me with the first and I can redeem the rest? That means God says, I can multiply, take care of and handle. In other words, God says, let me be your CPA and I'll do the books for you. God says, I can handle that. And I'm telling you right now, you get 10% behind God, he'll be 100% behind you. Just, Just saying, just saying, just saying, just saying, just saying. And actually in the Bible, 10th or 10 always means a test. The 10 plagues, the 10 commandments, and you can go through that. 
But do you know that tithing is also a test for God? It's the only time that God says we are to test in Malachi 3, 10 and 11. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, your church, that there may be food in my house and test me or try me now, says God, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you, notice, here's my test, God says, as you give, I'll give. And I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And guess what? God says, not only will I give to you, God says, I'll shut the door. Look at this. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer. For what? For your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says what? God stamped it again and said, hey, I said this and therefore I'm going to do it. God says, I'll bless and shut the door as you bring me first, which is already all mine. Everything you have is already all God's. So really, we don't give our tithes. We bring our tithes because we bring back to God that which is already his. And as we're faithful in our tithe, God will be faithful in his blessing. It works every time. Ask a tither. Do I have any tithers in the house? It works every time. If your hand is not up and going, woo, it's because you're not a tither, because you're either a tither or you're not, and it works or it doesn't. It works each and every time. I don't know how, but it does. I know how. God. God, 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 God. And we don't give to get. Don't get me wrong. We give to honor God. Because how could we ever repay him anyway? But we give God the first. That's why I like to come to church. Why? Because the church, this is my tithe for the rest of the week. I'm giving God my first. That's why I like to wake up in the morning and pray and read the word. Because I'm giving God the first for the day. Because he honors that in my life. Come on. Generosity is not an amount. But generosity is what we do with what we do have. You know, you can be generous with nothing. The Bible says a widow had nothing, but God says she has given more than anyone else. Her generosity was because she honored God first. Come on, say with me. Shut Shut the door. Number three, almost done. Humility, humility, humility. Humility is the antidote for pride and position. It slams the door shut. Here's a powerful statement for every one of you. A man on his face cannot fall. From there, Brother Roy Stockstall said those words maybe many, many years ago. A man on his face cannot fall from there. How true is that? Look at this statement. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Get that today. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's prioritizing God over everything else. August the 1st through the 6th, just two weeks away, we're having a time of prayer and fasting. What a great time of humility before God. If you've never fasted before, it's a time of humility. It's a time of dying to yourself and your selfish desires. Why? Because you're saying, God, I'm laying all those things down because you're much more important than that to me. God, I want you to strip away. It's a spring cleaning, a time where we could just get alone with God and literally die to ourselves and to our appetites and our desires. And you'll be amazed how much food controls your life, how the desires and the passions. And remember, fasting is not just going without. There are different types of fast that we're going to be talking about. But what a great time for us to shut the door of pride in our lives. Through six days of saying, God, I just want to put you first in my life. Worship is another way to express humility. Why? Because as we worship, what are we doing? We're saying, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. 
God, I give everything to you. Pastor Chris Hodges, I like what he said. He says, low-key praise protects our ego. We don't want to praise because it protects our ego. What is ego? That's our pride. We can limit God in our lives through pride. But God wants us to be humble. I'm almost done today. Here's the scripture I began with at the MC today. Revelations 3, 7 and 8. This time from the NIV. It says this. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. God says, I know your deeds. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Here's the open door. You ready? God explains it. He says, I know that you have little strength. What he's talking about there is, I see that you have humbled yourself. That you have humbled yourself before God. Because when we're talking about you've got strength, you've got, that's a pride statement. That you've got it taken care of. Because that's what pride is. I don't need help. I've got it taken care of. But God says, I see your little strength. I see that you have humbled yourself. Yet, as you have humbled yourself, what have you done? You have kept my word and you have not denied my name. You see, God says, when you humble yourself and keep my word, I'm going to open a door. I'm going to open a door that no man can shut. And I love that. God says, I've opened a door, but then I've also closed a door. God wants to help you close the wrong doors of your life. So you don't have to fall victim. There's an open door that God wants you. I'm telling you right now, God cannot or will not promote pride. He cannot do that. Because pride is always in opposition to Him. I can do it. Don't need help. Don't need God. And pride can manifest its way, itself so many different ways in our lives. But pride, the Bible says, always precedes a fall. Always goes before a falling. You see, pride is self Promotion. Humility is God promotion. Try and promote yourself and see where you get and let God promote you and see where you're at. John 3.30. John, the greatest prophet Jesus said that ever lived, the forerunner to Christ. Look at the closing argument or the closing statement really of his life. He said these words, He, Christ, must increase. And I must decrease. For John, that meant he had to die. I'm telling you right now, for us, it means we've got to die too. But not kick the bucket and be gone. But die to ourself. Die to our possessions, our passions. What we want, our feelings. And die. NIV says, Jesus must become greater and greater. And I must become less Unless Jesus has to become greater. One of the biggest problems that you have in your life, it's not the devil, it's you and your pride. It's you and your pride that will open the door. Come on, we've got to shut the door. We've got to shut the door to the lust of our flesh. Our passions. We've got to shut the door to the lust of our eyes, our possessions. We've got to shut the door to the pride of life, our position. How do we do that? Have integrity. We have wholeness in our life. We live with generosity. We're giving to God. We live with humility, trusting God. Why? Because I'm telling you, they will shut the door to sin in your life so you can open the door to the Savior of your life. Would you stand to your feet all over this place today? I pray this message touched you today.
would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.